SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid, hour number two on Tuesday, November 3rd. I've already done my duty submitting my most important lineup of, I don't know, the day, the week, the year, the month, forever. I don't know. We encourage everybody to do the same thing, but we look now at some guys who may be changing teams before the 4 p.m. deadline today. Whether you think it's going to be an active trade deadline or a not as active trade deadline, we discussed some of that before yesterday. You know, Kevin talking about some of the COVID protocols, me talking about the salary cap, uncertainty and what that means, and if you're going for a rental or not, right? So what we have already heard, there have been some deals already. We know after the game yes, uh, on Sunday, the Jets traded Avery Williamson as a linebacker over to the Pittsburgh Steelers and boy was he ready he was hailing a cab and ready to go it's got to be cool Kev to go from the oh the winless team to the undefeated team you know like the winless team doesn't want you and the undefeated team does want you to fill a hole right in the middle of their top line defense that was interesting um Quan Alexander was on the move, traded with Kiko Alonso. The Saints and the 49ers made a deal. These are two different types of linebackers that are switching teams, maybe for different kinds of roles. And now we know that there's still a lot of rumors out there, right? And I would say, Kev, in talking about this, the thing I have heard the most, Kev, is that the Green Bay Packers – Need to get something more on the outside to support Devontae Adams. This, we go back to the darn draft, Kev. We were talking about this, right? But no, they traded up to get Jordan Love. They decide A.J. Dillon was their need in the second round. And now look, Kev, at all these wide receivers around the NFL, whether it's Justin Jefferson, uh, Brandon Ayuk, Jalen Rager, and others that they could have had. But they still don't. And now they are in the market still for a wide receiver. A lot of people think that uh, the Houston Texans may oblige. Here's some other ones, right? Seattle maybe to continue to add on defense. Could the Raiders make a move? They are still out there. Could the Cardinals make a move? You're talking about the the Cardinals winning that NFC West. They went down Chandler Jones, right? Their big pass rusher. Could they decide to shove all in? Kev, in the next, oh, I don't know. What are we talking uh, eight hours. What do you think is like the biggest thing that's gonna happen, if anything? Like tomorrow on this show, what are we recapping as like the headline move of the trade deadline? I, I am really interested in the Will Fuller situation because, see, I think this is the thing with what the Jets are doing, right? On one end, it's like get all the value you can for guys. There, there's gonna be nobody left. Like this is going to be. A long rebuild unless your quarterback pulls everybody up, which I know quarterbacks are supposed to do. It's a big ask for young kids. There's nobody left. They're trading away everybody. I'm surprised they're not going to trade away Mekhi Becton. Like, it's just not been good. Yeah. Excuse me. I think Jamison Crowder could be a Jet that could actually be valuable for the right team and right offense. Um, He could, but he's the only guy that Sam Darnold works with. Like, yeah, they, well, like, there's going to be nobody point, left. Right? You know? yeah. No, but, but like, this is how you get 0-16. This is how you have a 
half a decade long rebuild. And I feel like the Texans are doing the same thing. Like Watson, no one can touch. Tunsil, no one can touch. Have anybody else you want. There's not many people left to get rid of. And all of a sudden, we're going to look at the Texans and we're going to be like, wow, Watson's great, but can't do anything with him. Yeah, absolutely. As we welcome in our radio audience from around the country, around the globe, big shout out to all the affiliates. The Texans are interesting, all of their wide receivers, right, Kev? Whether it be Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, whether it be Randall Cobb or whatever. On the defensive side, listen, I don't think they move kind of like franchise J.J. Watt. That would be ridiculous. But keep an eye on linebacker Whitney Merciless, okay? That is a quality player that can help another team. I believe he's also on the last year of his deal. And we're talking back about the New England Patriots, right? Um, Kev, you know, you, you, um, when you talk about the cupboard being bare for the Jets, I kind of think for New England, if they were going to sell, do they really have assets left to sell? One of them would be last year's Defensive Player of the Year, Stephon Gilmore. There has been buzz about him. And we are hearing as early as this morning, Diana Rossini saying that, listen, the phone lines are heating up for Stephon Gilmore. And it has to be legit and valid, Kev, because we're even hearing about what the compensation might be like coming back on the other side. The yeah. New England Patriots are telling people that they want a first-round pick and a player. Now, that player could be anybody from number one to 53 on a roster probably, right? But I think, Kev, there are teams out there that are contenders whose first-round pick would be in the mid to late 20s anyway that could absolutely use a cornerback at the level of Stephon Gilmore as, like, the cherry on top. I can think of a ton of teams. What about you, Kev? Yeah, so the end of player matters a lot, right? Like, are yeah. the Seahawks giving up their first-round pick in Tyler Lockett or their first-round pick in David Moore? I know they wouldn't give up their right, first-round right, right. pick in Tyler Lockett, but you got my right, point. Right, right. What is the actual asking price? Because I think mm-hmm. a first-round pick, I mean, this is easy-peasy. I think there's no problem. I don't see how they could not get that as a return. And that's how you now actually can get yourself to the end of player. If I am the Cardinals and I make that phone call, and then I'll, I'm the Seahawks, I need to pick up the phone. Well, now if I'm yeah. the Bucks. If I'm the Saints, if I'm yeah. the Bears, and all of a sudden, yeah. if you're in the AFC, I don't know how many teams they'd be willing to deal with in the AFC, but right. I think you are looking at, again, one of the best corners in football. The only caveat, is he healthy? Uh, yeah, that is a caveat, right? Because they can't trade players that are banged up right now. Zach Ertz, you know this, was potentially being rumored, but now he's down. So we shall see. The Rams come to mind for me. Imagine Jalen Ramsey on one side and Stephon Gilmore on the other. We'll talk about this a little bit more when we come back. The trade deadline, 4 p.m. Eastern today. Talk about it more here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid. Dane Martinez, and of course, the candle burner, Kevin Walsh, truly burning the candle at both ends. He cares about you and being profitable. That's what we're doing. And the landscape is going to change today, Kev. We think that there will be some trades. I mean, we talked about how close the NFC was, right? So could a guy like a Stephon Gilmore, could a wide receiver like a Will Fuller, uh, could a quarterback like a Ryan Fitzpatrick or a Jameis Winston actually move? the needle in the NFC but we are talking now because Stefan Gilmore is a hot name for New England uh you know Bill Belichick likes to cut bait a year early rather than a year late you know Bill Belichick loves to use his assets and you know Bill mm -hmm. Belichick is seeing that he does not necessarily have a quarterback for the 2021 season just yet do you think Stefan Gilmore ultimately is moved in the next eight hours Kev man I I think a lot more now than I did because this is the other thing. And again, another thing we greatly disagreed on about the value of the Patriots loss, but ah, yes. maybe he saw that loss and was like, ah, I didn't even have we Gilmore this year. No, no more. Like I didn't have Gilmore. So, so at the end of the day, this is not going to make or break my season. Let me just get pieces back. I always sell high. I always sell early and that's the other side of the coin at the end of the day, whether this team goes on a great run or not. We don't know if Cam Newton is long for this Patriots franchise right. and if they want to move on. They're going to want to have as many assets as possible to allow them to potentially move up in the draft if they wanted to go out there and draft a sure. quarterback. I'd have to think that Bill Belichick would love to draft a first-round quarterback, have that cap flexibility, have uh, his new guy, right? And mm -hmm. if he gets that win, you know, he's probably going to need a couple of more assets, although I know you think they're going to end up with the fourth overall pick. Um, I don't know about fourth. Maybe like eighth or ninth, though, but it'll be outside quarterback range. Maybe maybe they could use a pick that they get for Stephon Gilmore and trade it to Green Bay for Jordan Love. Who knows, oh right? God. But here's my question for you. Well, you know, that was live at that point of the draft. They're trading for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, right. Um, so let me ask you this, because we don't know who's going to make the move. I want to know who do you think are going to be buyers? We talked about the Jets selling. We talked about the Houston Texans likely selling. You know, maybe even the Patriots are going to sell whatever assets they have. Um, who's buying today? We've seen Seattle already kind of make moves yeah. on the defensive side. The Carlos Dunlap, they'll get Jamal Adams back for injury. Uh, we've mentioned some teams. I'd be very interested here on this list if Arizona makes a move, especially on the defensive side of the ball. We've heard about some pass rushers. We've heard about Stephon Gilmore, for goodness sake. Um, and the Raiders are interesting to me. You know, mm. People don't want to give the Raiders credit, but they're hanging around, right? We've seen them on the playoff graphic. The Raiders could get something like an O-lineman or a defensive piece as well. Uh, I have here like the Indianapolis Colts. Remember, they could use some help for Phillip Rivers on the outside. Um, obviously, Seattle, Green Bay. Is it any of these teams or maybe another like fringe playoff contender you're thinking about? What would be the most exciting to you, Kev, if in mm. fact we realized over the next like eight hours that they were buying? I think the answer is not a very sexy one, but if Washington makes a move, that gets very interesting. If Washington a buy is or a sell to, move, a, a sell buy. Or a buy. I mean, sell if they huh. sell, that'd be interesting as well. But well, could Dwayne day, Haskins be on the move today? Could Dwayne Haskins be on? Yeah, the move but today? I feel like that's not even a buy or sell. That's a we destroyed this guy's value type of thing, right? Yeah. I don't think that says hey we're going for it or hey we're not. 
But if Washington went out there and got themselves, like, we know they needed to add second. Now, they cannot give up their first-round pick for Stephon Gilmore. But, boy, imagine if they were stupid enough to do that. Ultimately, right, they're 2-5. and five. The Eagles are 3-4-1. and one. You know, so if the Washington team wins their next game, they'd go yeah. to 3-5. and five. They're playing the Giants. They would then just be a half game out, right, with the ties and everything. It's all a little wonky. But, yeah. I think that's one of the things to see is with that striking distance, is Washington willing to go and make a move? Yeah, unfortunately, I see Washington the other way. I think, if anything, they are going to sell. We've heard about Dwayne Haskins, although I understand that's not a sell move, but one that might be is their stud pass rusher, Ryan Kerrigan, coming off the Mm -hmm. outside edge, right? He is someone that I have heard rumors about, and I think – There would be no shortage of teams interested in his services, especially, to be quite honest, in the NFC West. I think Seattle, listen, they got Carlos Dunlap, but they could use an edge rusher. Remember, they had Clowney last year, right? So if they got a a guy like a Kerrigan, I think that could be a huge boost to that defense. And I'll mention the Arizona Cardinals again, right? Might it be time for them to pour gasoline on the fire, shove all in, because they do believe that the time could be now for them. With the injuries to San Francisco, maybe the Cardinals even believe even more that they could be ready to go and like i said chandler jones a great pass rusher was lost for the year for them so i would Mm -hmm. not be surprised if the cardinals decide to make a move we've heard even olivier vernon as a pass rusher that's out there and so that may be something i would be very intrigued if tomorrow morning kev we are talking about the arizona cardinals having made trades that signal that they think their time could be now any other teams you're intrigued by because i definitely think green bay and the Mm -hmm. receiver side seattle on the defense what about this raiders that i'm talking about an o-lineman a piece on defense would the Raiders maybe try to strike when the iron's hot they're on the graphic in the AFC Kev you know that's a, a good point too is remember when like this was supposed to be cars last year supposed to be car yeah. versus Mariota like what about the Raiders flipping Mariota to somebody yeah, the problem is who needs a quarterback like it just Dallas. like that's the real issue to do what San Francisco San Francisco to do what I mean is Marcus the guy San Francisco I, like, I don't know. They give Nick Mullins know, his leash because hey. he likes Nick Mullins. Like I, he'd give okay. Bether the leash. You know, I just there isn't a home for these quarterbacks. Fitz would be a really interesting name if he landed somewhere. You right. know, even and I, I the thing, you. right? Like if you're, I don't want to pick a team because it then associates an injury. So I won't pick a team. I'll leave that up to you because I know you'd love to. But team contender Y just says, you know what? Let's get sturdier at backup, right? Let's make sure yeah. that this yeah. season, like if you're the Bucks, right? Sure. I said I wasn't going to do I'll it. I'll give you a name. Like, just in it. case. Hey, just yeah. in case. Oh, you're going to love this one. Mitchell. Trubisky. Yeah. Sure, but my, he doesn't my thing have much is, of a contract, right? It's his last year. They're not. They, it's it's a right. rental, and it would just right. be in case of emergency. Like, oh my goodness, oh my god, right? Like if Aaron right. Rodgers or, or Tom Brady, the right? Bears what might want that for themselves. You know what I'm saying? Where if you're Tampa Bay, like just if you just look around, right? Philly just drafted Hurts. The Packers just drafted yeah, yeah, yeah. Love. The Saints have Jameis, right? Yeah. So if you're the Bucks behind Tom, 
fancy has been in the area, knows Tampa Bay, maybe that works. If you're Seattle, at the end of the day, right, this is kind of why I I didn't kill the Eagles pick of Jalen Hurts. It's why I gave the Cowboys credit for picking up Andy Dalton. It's why the Saints everybody loved because they picked up Jameis Winston. Why would you allow your season to crumble? And be right. completely with useless yep. with an injury. That's what's happened to Dallas. Now they didn't know it was going to happen. Okay, to be so fair, they thought they had worse. that in Andy Dalton. They thought right. they and had their done defense that with Andy Dalton. is so much worse than they could have ever imagined. Right. right. But you don't want to be what the Cowboys are. You don't want to be a team that scored a touchdown since your franchise quarterback yeah. has gone down. So I think that would be I mean, a Pittsburgh really interesting angle. Pittsburgh is live for that angle. as well. We sure. see what happens with the Steelers. I think yeah, the big... Rams could be live for that as well. I don't know who backs up Goff. Rams but are I dangerous. Think you make a good point, right? I, but still, aren't teams like that like dangerous team... though? Because wouldn't you want to bench Goff? Like on a week-to-week well, basis. No, I you know understand what, I mean? what you're saying. But the idea of the contender needing to have that insurance yeah. policy because, as we see, like half of starting quarterbacks go down every weekend. That is very interesting. The other team I have up here on this list is the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts are built from the inside out, and they are strong. We know about yeah. this. You fade, you know, Jonathan Taylor and all this stuff. I got That's a name terrible. for you, Kev. I got a name for you. Todd Gurley. Aging Atlanta Falcons veteran doesn't have a future necessarily there. The Falcons mm-hmm. could be willing, maybe not with Matt Ryan or Julio Jones. Could Todd Gurley be the elixir for a team like the Colts? I mean, I think that the answer is Jordan Wilkins and the Hemans. I, like, I think they're okay. fine in that one. <laughs> right. But, like, they should – like, if, if we went through it and ranked all 32 skill position groups, they're in, like, the bottom eight. Right. That's why I'm saying, could they get some skill position help? We will see up this week. Also, you know who we got? What we got, Kev? We've got Maxion this week. And we'll talk about it here in the early line with our guy, Mid-Major Matt, after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here onto the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid. We also welcome in all of our radio affiliates from around the country. Thanks for waking up early with us, the mightier 1090 out there in Southern California. Thanks for waking up very early with us. We're trying to give you the information to make it a profitable day. Dane Martinez and my main man, the candle burner, Kevin Walsh. If you've been watching us recently, you know we have started to dip our toe into the college football ranks, everything from my chaos theory around the Cincinnati Bearcats to what happens with Trevor Lawrence and the COVID. And listen, here's the deal. We've got more conferences coming online this week, including the Mac. And so we got to talk about some action. And we bring in our friend of the show, mid-major Matt, making his debut on the early line. How you feeling, Matt? Thanks for spending some time with us. Yeah, you know, everybody's going to talk about the Pac-12 coming back this week. I don't care. I want some action and I want a lot of it. And it starts tomorrow. Let's go. We love that. And here's where I want to start, okay? Um, College football, obviously, this year is so crazy, just like everything else in 2020. But the the part that I find really interesting, Matt, 
is the inconsistencies within conferences, right? This is not under one umbrella, right? There's different start times. You just mentioned the Pac-12 and teams like Oregon and USC that start in the ranks uh, are just starting now with a six-game schedule. We also see about the inconsistencies and in some of the code protocols around COVID, right? We've got Wisconsin players out for 21 days. Nick Saban can be on the sidelines three days later, and Trevor Lawrence is going to miss a game against number four, Notre Dame. So Tell me, as it relates to the Mac, just so I can get caught up, what does the schedule look like? Is there a conference championship game? How long would someone be out if they do test positive? What are some of the contours and the parameters um, around the Mac this year? So, I, I, you know, I'm not as familiar with regards to the COVID stuff and, and the protocols okay. there, but they're basically playing six games. Uh, you're playing everybody else in your division once and you get one crossover foe. So that's why there is some value with potentially some teams in the East who might get a crappy team in the West or the other way around. Um, and basically there will be a MAC championship game. And, and certainly there's going to be a lot of interesting dynamics. But the thing is, if we, you know, if there's a game that gets canceled or postponed, how will they make it up? Will they try and make it up? Will they put an extra weekend? I mean, we've already seen the Big Ten uh, with uh, some problems there. So, you know, in a way, it's the Mac hurting themselves by coming back so late. But it's also they want to do a sprint. And so that's what they're going to try and do. So, Matt, one of the things as I was kind of getting ready for this conference to come back, I believe I heard that every single head coach is returning which feels really interesting, that level of consistency top to bottom. I mean, even Akron to return their uh, head coach. Do you think that that consistency just means more the same for these teams, or is there a mistake somewhere and you might want to pick on some of these head coaches? Well, and I actually I tweeted Hustle Belt, who is the um, the SB Nation um, blog that covers the Mac about when the last time this happened. They said it was potentially 2007 was the last time the Mac had everybody back in terms of head coaches. It's usually a feeder system for everybody else. If somebody does well enough in the Mac, they're going to be a coordinator or a head coach somewhere else. So it's been a while. And actually, if you go deeper, pretty much every court head coordinator is back, except for Toledo, who decided to shake things up a bit on offense coordinator and defensive coordinator. And yeah, you notice there's a clear dichotomy there are the really good teams and then there's the teams that are clearly using this time to build for next year like in northern illinois has 62 freshmen redshirt freshmen and transfers on their roster akron has 66 so (laughs) there's a lot of teams in this conference that you can tell look there's going to be the good ones there's going to be the bad ones and then there's going to be the question of oh will the back door be open for some of those bad teams um but you notice in some of these lines there are some clearly differences talent wise in this conference mm. All right, Matt, so let's dive into one of them. And I got to tell you the truth, because you're going to be on this show. You got to know I am in for chaos theory. Okay, (laughs) this is what I want. I'm backing like Cincinnati, BYU, SMU, Marshall, Coastal Carolina, for goodness sakes. I want chaos theory. And I think in 2020, it's possible. So I'm very intrigued when you say there are some really good teams Who's the best, Matt? Who's the best of this kind of Mac group? And are there any you know teams here who are you know in this kind of group of five conference that we should see? I mean, Liberty and Coastal Carolina are ranked for goodness sakes. Who is the team in the Mac that two weeks from now, when they're two and zero and winning games by thirty-seven points, we're going to be looking at maybe in the top twenty-five? Who is that team, and how do they get off on the good foot this week? 
Well, I, I don't know if anybody's going to make the top 25, but what, but the team that's I mean, the best Liberty in the MAC is Coastal Carolina did. Come on. Don't sell Well, but they've also played they've also played five or six games. This will be, you Fair. know, one or two games. I mean, Fair. and this is not Ohio State who gets ranked because they're Ohio State. I think the best team in the MAC is Buffalo. Um they're the team that's picked to win by the media. They've got a, an amazing running attack with Jared Patterson who last year was fifth in rushing yards and eighth in rushing touchdowns in the nation. Kevin Marks also in that backfield had 1000 yards rushing. They have uh, either Matt Myers or Kyle Van Treese under center. Kyle Van Treese at one point last year was the punter. And it basically was because oh. the team's punter got hurt. And so he moved over and quarterback and punted. So that's fun to do. Um, they've got Antonio Nunn at wide receiver, Zach Lefevre at tight end. So they've got a really good offense. And their defense is pretty good, too. Up front, Malcolm Kuntz and uh, Taylor Riggins had 16 and a half sacks combined. They're a really good team. I don't know if they're going to get to the top 25 because they're only playing six games. But Buffalo crazy to say is probably your best team in the Mac uh, I tell you what you know we all look for our sense of normalcy whenever I got mid-major Matt listed off you know Mac players at that level it just yes. gets me excited before we break into some of these specific games usually when we're talking about leagues and it's not always a fast and steady rule but you try and get a feel is it an overs is it an unders points 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 or not this feels like maybe it's not best and steady. I got Bowling Green Toledo sitting at 62 and a half. Buffalo with a 51 and a half here. It, you know, Eastern Michigan and Kent State, 62 and a half. Typically, are you playing overs? Are you playing unders? Or more likely, I guess it might just be team by team. I think this is a situational league. I mean, Kent State is, they play flash fast, which is an up-tempo offense. So therefore, they're a team you're going to play overs with because their defense isn't very good. But then there's some other teams. I mean, Akron doesn't score much. So you're basically, when you play a total in their game, you're basically hoping that the other team does a lot of the legwork. So it's very clear in this league who the overs are. Buffalo, you know, they score a ton. Last year, towards the end of the season, they averaged around 40 points a game. and But their defense is pretty good. So you're going to have to depend upon the opponent there. So as you said, I think it's a team-by-team situation here as to whether or not we go overs or unders because certain teams are going to score and certain teams are just not going to do so. Fair enough, Matt. One game that I think is interesting that uh, kicks off tomorrow as we get some action on a Wednesday is Ball State going to Miami of Ohio. You know, when you talked about the Buffalo game, the spread was, you know, in double digits already. Here, I I see Miami of Ohio home, but only favored by a point and a half, which makes me think these are two teams that are on equal footing. How do you see this one, and how hard is it to understand when you have not seen these teams on the field yet and even practice, you don't get as much information as in normal years talk to me about ball state and miami of ohio well, as we did kind of when we handicapped early college football for the other conferences, we looked for new coordinators. We looked for teams that had spring practices and things like that. And as I said, there really isn't much of a difference here for a lot of these schools. So you kind of have to throw that edge out the window. And there's no fans in any of these stands. So home field advantage mm-hmm. is essentially just being home uh, instead of playing in front of fans. To me, I like Ball State in this game. I think Ball State's worth a look. They're picked third in the West uh, by the preseason media. And Drew Plitt threw for just under 3,000 yards last year, 24 touchdowns. Caleb Huntley, pretty solid at running back. Justin Tyler, Johannes Tyler, uh, also at wide receiver. Their defense returns most of their stars, but it was a pretty bad unit. Um, they do have a really good cornerback duo, so that's going to help in a conference like this. Um, so if you look at the pieces, they've got the quarterback, they've got the skill position guys, they've got a decent defense. On the Miami side, there's a bit more optimism. They were picked second in the East. Brett Gabbert is back. That's right. Blaine Gabbert's younger brother. Um, his top Ooh. wide receiver and his top tight end are back. Uh, 
Jack Sorensen and Andrew Homer, but they're going to be without their two big uh, running backs this one, Jalen Bester and Tyree Shelton. So therefore, that's going to be big for their run game. Miami has one of the best offensive lines in the MAC, and they've got talent back at every level of the defense. Um, I can see why this is a tight spread, but once again, with no home field advantage, I think Ball State's probably worth a look in this one. I'll tell you what, Ball State has way too strong of a name to not be a powerhouse. Ball State, like, they absolutely should be in the top 25. Uh, what do you think about here? Another tight spread, Ohio and Central Michigan. Uh, obviously, it, with games that tight, people will start to look to just play on the money line. Right now, Ohio at the FanDuel Sportsbook is minus 120, and you get Central Michigan at minus 102. What do you think about this matchup? This one has a lot of question marks that make me actually think this number's way too high in terms of the total. I think it, it, this could be an under game. You look at Ohio, as Frank Solich has been there forever. They're picked to finish third in the East before the season began. We go right to the quarterback. Nathan Rourke is gone, but Curtis Rourke could be the starting quarterback. We don't know yet actually who's going to be. Or UNLV transfer Armani Rogers, who had big-time uh, hopes out at UNLV, never materialized, and so he left and went to Ohio. Solid running back group, solid experience at wide receiver they only have one offensive lineman back and you know i know we don't talk about special teams a lot but they're got they, they have to replace a kicker a punter a long snapper and we know how important that is so that's something to look for in ohio central michigan picked to finish first in the west they lose jonathan ward at running back but uh, they've got a solid kobe lewis at, at running back their quarterback situation so david moore got suspended for substance use in the offseason he was supposed to hear back about his appeal hasn't heard yet so it looks like the redshirt freshman daniel Richardson is going to be the starting quarterback, and Ty Brock is going to back him up. He's a transfer from the FCS level. They've got solid uh, weapons in Khalil Pimpton, the, the uh, Pimpleton, the former Virginia Tech star, and Ja'Cory Sullivan. Uh, two offensive line starters back, a solid defensive line. But their secondary is not very good. They do have some transfers from Iowa State and Florida. So both of these teams have question marks at quarterback going in, which makes me think maybe even a first half under or even, heck, a first quarter under. And then you look at just kind of isolating that rustiness uh, that you may see from two teams and two quarterbacks. I like that, Matt. Well, thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us and profiling all the matching. Yeah, you got to replace those special teams, guys. I saw a Cleveland Browns game over the weekend, and the wind was a factor, so that long slapper and kicker better be ready to go. Thanks for spending some time with us, Matt. Talk to you next week. No problem, fellas. Thanks, man. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line, giving you the edge. And, Kev, we've been talking about it off air. Mid-major Matt is a great friend of the show because, listen, when we talk about giving you the edge – that's where the edge comes from a lot, Kev, right? Not necessarily your Dukes and Carolinas and Kentuckys in basketball or your Ohio States and Bamas. It's really teams like the Buffalo Bulls, you know, thinking that they are ready to go against a team like Northern Illinois that's returning something like two 
starters or upperclassmen on their entire roster. That's the kind of edge you get by being on the grid. I'm telling you, I'm putting now the Buffalo Bulls in my, you know, perfect storm. I want to see them in the top 25. If Liberty can do it, if Marshall yeah. can do it, if Coastal Carolina, maybe not after one week, but by the time we're charving up the Thanksgiving turkey, I want to see the Buffalo Bulls in there. Remember they had Tyree Jackson, the like six seven quarterback that we talked about mm-hmm. in the draft last year, and Frank Gore's kid. Frank Gore Jr., I believe, is the running back there. Maybe Frank Gore is trying to hang on to be him and his son in the NFL, a la LeBron. Honestly, Frank Gore might outlast his son at this rate. Uh, I'm all in on Buffalo. <laughs> See, this is the thing. You just have to pick up little hints. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Buffalo, they got this great defense. They score 40 a game. Yeah. All right, I'm going to lay 11. I'm just going to lay 11. Like, at this point, like, <laughs> yep. what, what else do you want me to do? Like, I'm going to lay 11. And I, I think, though, seriously, like, when it comes to stuff like this, right? People are like, look, I don't know. I don't know these teams. I'm not playing the games. How am I matter. supposed to bet this stuff? But first of all, have some fun. Bet responsibly. Always bet responsibly. Don't go crazy. But trust guys like Mid Major Matt. They know what they're talking about. And when you can beat the book, that's valuable. And what I think will be really valuable for us, because I, I don't know, like, is the Maction gimmicky? Yes. Is it about to become a very important part of people's daily, you know, midweek lives? Yeah. Yes. There's nothing on. <laughs> no hoops, no hockey. Right. There's nothing right. on. And I think it'll be really valuable for us, Dane, to take these snapshots here, right? Mm-hmm. What is Buffalo laying next week to whomever their opponent is? What is the reaction to what I think comfortably does seem like the yeah. game of the week, Ball State, Miami, Ohio? And if Ball State does pull the upset that Matt is saying they can pull, what do they look like next week? Where are their overreactions and where is there maybe not enough movement? It's Maction, it's wonky, it's weird. It's about to become, quote-unquote, mainstream, and I'm very excited about it. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you, especially as you've mentioned. Now that we're in November, this like the NBA regular season is usually happening. The Correct. NHL regular season is usually happening, right? We very talk football so. all the time, and on Monday, on Thursday, on Friday. But in that middle of the week, to have some action out there is going to be great. We'll be talking about college football. In the upcoming weeks, there's even things like you know soccer that gets back up with Champions League. We've been touching on that. And Kev, absolutely, in the middle of the week, if they can grab the attention of the sports fan, it will be yeah. important. And that's why you get the edge right here on the grid. But as we look to college football also, we go a little bit higher on the marquee now as we look to these teams that are a little bit higher in the polls and still are contending for a national championship. We talked about the new top 25. And honestly, Kev, we have, you know, it's funny. On one side, I can say we have one of the games of the year this week with number one Clemson facing number four Notre Dame. And literally, as those words were coming out of my mouth, I almost stopped myself because as you know, Kev, Whoever loses that game on Saturday, if they then beat the team in what could be a rematch of the ACC championship, they're right back in the playoff picture. So how do you see this game going, especially Sons, Trevor Lawrence? I think that this game is very, very difficult because I'm not sure. We're dealing with college football. Dan, if I would have told you that any quarterback in the National Football League was removed, right? Yeah. And it moved the spread nine points. 
you're probably gonna be like, ah, just give me the give me the other team. Yeah, like yeah, that yeah. doesn't make any like you can't move a spread nine points. I, I think that's an overreaction. I'll take the team with the missing player. That's what we have here. Trevor Lawrence, this number was 14 and a half. Now, that number maybe could have been on the move going into the game anyway, right? Also, mm-hmm. it's not a move that just came from the absence. They played a game. It was against Boston yeah. College. They only won by six. So I understand there's a lot of things at work here. This come from a Notre Dame guy. I really struggled to take ND plus five and a half. I think this is a lay the number, play the money line of plus 198 type of spot here. That's how I kind of feel because mm. I just – the thing is – the 14 and a half always felt a little bit ridiculous to me for them to be laying 14 and a half at Notre Dame. But if that was an accurate number, then this five and a half, you now might be able to argue his value on the Clemson side. It's, I think it's a very, very tough game to call. But let me ask you. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask, like, outside of the point spread and stuff, right? And just mm-hmm. like for Clemson and their. Designs on winning a national championship. Yeah. The first half against BC, where they were down, mm-hmm. right? Is that a good thing? Was it good that they had the wake-up call that they can be had without Trevor Lawrence and they ultimately got through it? I mean, I don't think they'd be taking the Irish lightly, let's say, anyway, right? This right. is their biggest game on their schedule at Touchdown Jesus. But was it good for them to see that, hey, they can't just roll the ball out there, put their jock straps on, and start winning by 30 without sunshine? Like, like d- does Do you think it helps them? You know, I know they were going to get up to this one anyway, but was it yeah. a good experience for them to see that they could be had? I, I, I think maybe it's less about we can be had and more so like if Notre Dame is up 14-3, they can be like, listen, we're all right, we're all right, we're, mm. we're okay here. Okay. Now, I don't know if they believe it in the same way against the Boston yep. College, not in Death Valley. But look, look DJ Ugalele, like as much as he's not Trevor Lawrence, he's another five-star prospect, he's number one quarterback yeah. in his recruiting class. Like yeah. this isn't a, you know, this is right. not going from Dak to Ben DiNucci. Okay. Absolutely. This is going from like Patrick Mahomes to Deshaun Watson. Like right, you're right, not right. going to lose your. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't know if that's fair, but that's kind of what you expect from these guys here. So, uh, again, I think it's I think it's such an interesting game. And I'll tell you this right now: there's uh, maybe I'll bet the total. There's no way I'm betting this game. There's no way. When it was 14 and a half, I planned on taking ND. Right. Now at this point, it, you know, it's kind of a let's lock arms and, you know, as an ND fan, let's hope this thing out. But one thing that I think right. really is unfortunate, and you look, it's probably fair, but I, I saw a tweet about the college football playoff expectancy. Um, if Notre Dame wins, they and Clemson are both like 48% to make the college yeah. football playoff. If yeah. Clemson wins, it's like, 88 to 12. Like, I just, right. It almost, it kind of stinks that Notre Dame might beat this team ultimately, right? I'll put it to you like this Notre Dame beats Clemson, let's say by a touchdown. Then they play in the ACC championship. Clemson wins by also a touchdown. And they can only put one of them in. They're going to put Clemson in. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, though. I think in the path you're talking about, that could be the path to two ACT, ACC teams in, and that's where kind of the chaos theory comes in. And, Kev, I'm sorry. You know I love you and all as my early line compadre, right? But 
I'm rooting for Clemson in this one. I need Notre Dame to, in essence, fall by the wayside for my chaos theory, right? I can't have Notre Dame and Clemson still quasi-live for both of them if I want Cincinnati to get on in there, right? So I need Notre Dame to, you know, get rocked on Saturday and sort of fall by the wayside. Another game where that's what I'm cheering for, Kev, is down in the SEC, a battle of two top 10 teams where the University of Georgia hosts the number eight ranked Florida Gators. Now, Kev, Florida hasn't played in a while, remember? Because they had their outbreak right after they wanted to pack the swamp. This is a huge game to me right now. In between the hedges at home, the Georgia Bulldogs will be four and a half points favorites right but i see a lot of things in kind of our big picture college football conversation here kev right one whoever wins this game i believe is in the catbird seat to get a crack at alabama right in the sec championship game you got to think that's the case but also i want to ask you if georgia loses maybe they fall by the wayside opening up uh maybe a path for my cincinnati bearcats but the question for me is if georgia loses that means number eight, Florida, has a win against number five on the road. What's the ceiling for Florida if they get this big road win at number five, Georgia? Would that be enough for them to almost hop over my Bearcats and create yet another obstacle? Yeah, I got to tell you, the, the winner of that game is going really? right in front of Cincinnati. Uh, yeah, this is the well, problem. Georgia already is, but, you know, yeah. That's what I'm saying, yeah. So Georgia obviously would remain, but... Look right. right now, four of the top eight teams are in the SEC, and here's yeah, the Texas deal: there Georgia, Georgia's one loss, Bama. A and M's one loss, Bama. Florida's one loss, A and M. So the rest this of the is round a, robin needs to happen. <laughs> this is where the SEC is not the Big Twelve, right? The Big Twelve eats each other up. They're done. We're not talking about the Big Twelve. The highest ranked team that they have is 14th in the country. The SEC beats each other up. They got four teams in the top eight. It's again, you know me. I always cheer for I've I've been cheering for this. But honestly, my dream scenario is not for Cincinnati to get in. It's for them to be unbeaten and get screwed. That way I can hope that people realize we need about getting an eight, eight next team. year. Yeah. yeah. I need eight. I need eight. Four is ridiculous. It's too little. People don't realize you make games matter less. Like at the end of the day, people So will you tell want you, undefeated like, Cincinnati to finish just outside, right? Yes, that is genuinely because here's why, and I and I don't think people realize, but like people think that the college football playoff format has made games matter more. They make games between certain teams matter more, but they have made less games matter. Georgia, Florida, is put on such a higher pedestal. If the response wasn't, yeah, but either one loses to Bama, and they're not getting in the college right, right, right. playoff. Like you, you, you are losing value in these games. So, and that's the same reason why no one cares about your Bearcats is because yeah. they go, yeah, what are they going to get into college football player? No, like, all right, that is why this I hope will change because so, we should be able to talk about a BYU like and be like, yo, if BYU wins this week against Boise, they're in. They are going. Right, right, they right. belong, and they should be in the top eight. And by the way, if they win. They're going to be in the top eight because one yeah. of Georgia or Florida would be jumped by a BYU. But right. unfortunately for BYU, they're going to run the table. They're going to have a Heisman finalist, possibly, and they're not even going to have a chance. 
No, that's true. You know, the Cincinnati's, the BYU's of the world. These are like back in the day, the Central Florida's and the Boise states. But let me tempt fate even more, Kev, because we see a path for two SEC teams, right? We know Ohio State's there. We now see a path for potentially two ACC teams. So what if it's not even a group of five undefeated team like Cincinnati? I draw your attention. You know, our guy mid-major Matt says the Maction is kicking off this week. We also have to acknowledge the Pac-12 is kicking yeah. off this week. And, okay, fine. Cincinnati goes undefeated, right? What about who's sitting there right now at number 12? The Oregon yeah. Ducks. They start mm-hmm. their season at home in Eugene against the Stanford Cardinal. I could say similar things about USC, but let's zone in on the Ducks right now because they're already 12, right? So they would have yeah. less far to go. Talk to me about an undefeated Ducks team, Kev, that winds up sitting at number five, and then an undefeated Bearcats that are at number six, let's say, right? I can easily see, especially if the Iris beat the the Tigers without Trevor Lawrence, right? Couldn't it be Clemson, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Bama, and then still Oregon left out in the cold as an undefeated Power Five conference champion? Absolutely, but this is the other thing. They're probably going to get a big boost if they get their job done week one. Ohio State jumped Notre Dame and Georgia just right. because they beat Nebraska. Let's see how five they so go. Oregon might get into the top ten just with a result. We'll talk about it this week. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody. You know, college football is going to be so interesting, especially, and Kev, the staggering of it all. Like, you know, Oregon now has just six games. They got a sprint and a good enough reputation and a good enough starting spot, you know what I mean, that they're going to threaten. It's going to be very interesting, but we turn our attention to football. As well, if over the next couple of days you're looking for some sports, you're looking for a distraction in this country, go across the pond to Champions League. And today, in Group B, Kev, we have some interesting matchups. Right here you see the standings. Remember, Real Madrid got upset last week. So even though Real Madrid is the favorites to win Group B at plus 145, they are in last place right now. And uh, we got some interesting matchups today in Group B. On the one side... We'll have Shakhtar, who's at the top of the group, go into Borussia Mönchengladbach. You know how I like that one. Uh, Mönchengladbach, as the home team, is the favorite. They could go to the top of that group. And then Real Madrid, who's at the bottom of the group, they uh, they kind of need a win against Inter today. What are you thinking about these games, and specifically Group B, which could be where kind of the chaos happens? Yeah, I think right now... Considering where Real Madrid is, they're minus 120 home favorites against Inter. Inter is not a slouch. I'm not saying to disrespect that team. But basically, it's kind of like betting the Pats this past week against the Bills, right? It's like, is Real Madrid really going to be last in this table through three fixtures? That's a tough sell, man. It's a real tough sell. And to be paying... God bless you, triple money line. Minus 120 for them at home. I feel like that's worth a reasonable shot. As always, make sure you check your start in 11s before placing any wagers. 
but I feel like I could find myself on Madrid tonight. All right, fair enough. And another marquee matchup in another group. It's the only time where there's two of the top two teams in the group going at it. It's Atalanta and Liverpool. I remember talking to you about Atalanta. Um, and so should I just take the over on goals? Because don't they score a ton? And I know Liverpool can score. Yeah, the uh, over three and a half goals is minus 114 a favorite. Nah, you know, we've done soccer enough. No, but, but you know <laughs> soccer enough to know, Dana, that that's ridiculous. Right. right? Yeah, that's like we, right. We've been talking like over two and a half. Minus 300. Minus. Yeah, all right. So I guess goals will be scored in Atalanta and Liverpool. We'll talk about it tomorrow. We'll recap the trade deadline, and we'll see what's going on with this matching in college football as well. From my man, Kevin the Candle, Werner Walsh, I'm Dane Martinez. The morning after is up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.